Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Go check out the new manifesto on lifestyle design, authored by yours truly, Buy Your Own Island, now available on Amazon. It's been called inspiring and empowering and one of the best new books on entrepreneurship. Lifestyle design for 2015 and beyond. Look for it on Amazon or go download the audiobook for free at buyyourownisland.com forward slash audio dash book. Hello, my name is Danny Flood. Thank you so much for listening. In 2010, Evelyn Badia nervously put up her first Airbnb listing. Five years later, several loads of laundry, some major fumbles, and close to 400 reviews later, she is now a full-time Airbnb host earning a six-figure living. Now she helps others turn that extra room in their homes into a steady stream of income, a paid-for lifestyle, and lifelong connections. So I am honored to have you on the show today. Evelyn, thank you so much for being here. Danny, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. So perhaps you could tell me and the listener a little bit more about your background and your backstory beyond that standard bio there. Yes, sure. I actually um, came to New York from Puerto Rico when I was 19 years old, the last time that I came here to live, and I've been here ever since, and it's been a long, long time. Um, before being an Airbnb host, I worked in the advertising world for over 20 years. I have, I have a film degree from NYU, and I was a freelancer since I was 25. I just did not want to marry to a job. So it kind of fits, the Airbnb lifestyle fits really, really well, because I always told um, my employers or whoever contracted me, I was don't make me have to say no to you. <laughs> don't offer me a full-time job. I, I, you know, I'll date you. And I'll be your fiance, but I will not want to marry you. <laughs> um, yes. And, and it was an amazing career. It was, I worked in multicultural advertising, mostly Hispanic and African American. And that took me to Argentina and Costa Rica and to many numerous states in the United States. So it was, it was an amazing life. Um, and being a producer actually worked really well transitional with my life as a host. As a producer, I make things happen. As a host, I make a vacation happen for somebody else. So a lot of the skills that I had as a producer really just, they work really well. Do you, do you feel that um, you're, um, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, do you feel no, that no, your, uh, your background as an advertiser, um, has that been an advantage as an Airbnb host? Like, has it given you a leg up over like a, a usual host? And in, in what way? Well, I, and if, as an advertising, I look at it in marketing ways, and and I look at um, our copywriters and their art directors. So I do have that leg up. Um, and some and some of them have gotten out of the industry. Some of them are still in the industry. So I do have the benefit of having an opinion, a creative opinion. And as a filmmaker, I could also see like the photos and see what works and everything else. I'm not a photographer. But I love the idea of how visual and how you're making someone strip. Um, so so it's, it has really helped me with 
my advertising life helped me with the yeah, careers and a host. As a producer, you are in charge of schedules and budgets. So it is perfect. <laughs> Those skills were amazingly work perfectly for as a host because you have to schedule people and you have to make sure everything is in order and also think about what they want and need before they know they want it and need it. I see. So kind of like um, expecting what they're going to ask you and expecting objections. Is that right? Oh, totally. Oh, okay. totally. I mean, so if, if you have a group of people that are coming to New York for a wedding, are they going to need, um, I sometimes offer my backyard for them to have a brunch or to have a gathering for the family. I mean, I normally don't, don't charge extra for it just because I love the idea of people enjoying my, my home. And having a backyard in Brooklyn is is not normal. <laughs> not a, you know, as a homeowner, you have it, but normally, you know, you have an apartment and you barely have a fire escape. So you tend to ask, like, okay, what is it that you need? And why are you coming to New York? What's the trip? What are your needs? Do you come with children? I have a pack and play. I have a high chair. I have toys. Do you come with teenagers? Okay, well, let me tell you what are some good places to go with the teenagers and things like that. So the guidebook reflects the different styles of vacationing. Not everybody that comes. And, and actually, my target audience tends to be over 30 and actually even over 40. And I get a lot of grandparents whom I love and adore. They're the best guest ever. Grandparents are happy to come because they've seen their grandchildren. So they're very happy to come to your home. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. So you're anticipating their wants and needs before they come. I think that can apply to any business type, right? Yes, exactly. It's sort of yeah. like, you know, like here you were preparing for our interview and all the research that you did beforehand. So you were anticipating and you were getting ready for yourself for it. And that happens in advertising. You know, as a producer, you look at a project at, in a micro view and in a macro view. You want to see the forest and the trees and see how things get affected each way. Sort of like I need to find out the arrival flight from my guest. But beyond the arrival flight, I also want to know, are you taking the train or are you taking a car service? Um, do I need to give you a recommendation for car service and you want to take Uber and for you to give me that information so that like that, I adjust my schedule accordingly. If I'm going to be waiting for you, if I'm not waiting for you, if I'm busy with something else, I want to make sure that you're very clear with the instructions that I have provided in reference of where the keys are at and when I'm going to see you and all that information. So it's really being prepared to whatever they're going to come at you. Because since I mean, and sometimes look, things happen. They all get stuck. The flight might be delayed. But if you don't have a flight number, you don't know this, right? Um, and, you know, so th so this is the information that you start finding out through the experiences in the years, yeah. and and that you start saying, okay, yes, these are the things that you need to have. <laughs> so it it comes from uh, having experience doing what you're doing. But I, I know that uh, in a previous interview, you said that. Um, in the beginning, the hosts were all kind of imitating one another because they weren't sure how it was going to go. Is that right? But back five years ago in 2010, oh, there was no – and people did not know what Airbnb was. Right. And it was that whole idea of like you live with strangers. I mean aren't you afraid? Especially as a single woman, is that whole thing kind of like – are you afraid that something's going to happen or that you feel uncomfortable? Are you hearing people snore? 
And, you know, and people still ask the question, are people, aren't you afraid that people are going to steal from you? And the reality is I don't have anything that they really could take of value, anything that's sentimental. It's, it's tends to be more in my, in my room. Um, and what are they going to do? Grab a TV from the wall. <laughs> um, they might take a book or two, but maybe not. I don't know if they like my, my books, but, but it's, it's that whole fear base. And at the beginning, there was a lot of education, especially for people, but I got, I had guests immediately and he has always been, I always get professionals and educated people. Um, it's also my price point is high enough that I'm not, that I don't get the bargain hunters, which tend to be a little bit more pro- problematic. I see. So you're targeting the right audience, right? Yes. Um, the lower your price, you know, you tend to then get the person that, want to give to get more for less um back oh my god back back in the day um (laughs) i i gave the two-bedroom apartment to a kid who was doing a residency and i provide a startup breakfast you know i give them some milk and bread and eggs i i feel like at least you have something to eat if you come if you come over at midnight you don't have to go shopping for for you to have coffee in the morning um and I was giving him the entire apartment for like $45 a night for him. It was the winter time and I was just beginning out. And he was like, oh, my milk finished. Can you give me more? And I was like, okay, dude, I, I, I'm, I'm, and you, you're getting like a huge apartment in New York for nothing. And you're asking me for more stuff. But it was that mentality. It's that whole like I'm I'm paying less, but I want to give I want to get more. How much more? What more can I get from you? Right. I think it, that applies it's the same to when people asking for discounts. Then they tend to be disgruntled or unhappy or you know, yeah. I think that applies to any type of business. I mean, the the low end clients tend to want the most for the less. Um, but at the same time, you, you say that on your website, and that's EvelynBadia.com. Um, you're you strive to be the host that your guests can't stop raving about. So I want to ask you at the same time, I mean you're obviously creating a great experience. What could I expect if I were to book through your listing? How are you going to stand out as a host and and give me an excellent experience, Evelyn? Well, for me it starts with communication. I am a firm believer that I need to talk to you about less than an hour before you give me an inquiry. Like if you give me an inquiry, I'm going to immediately answer. Because like that, you know that I'm already on top of my business. So you don't have to, I have, I have used Airbnb as a guest and you have no idea how many times I have sent out inquiries, which Airbnb tells you to send more than one inquiry and people just don't even respond. Or people say, oh no, my calendar is really not available. It's booked for those days, even though those dates are available. So just starting off with a quick communication is key. Um, so you already know that I'm on top of it, that I am going to be responsive, that whenever you're going to ask me any questions, I'm going to answer you very quickly. Once you make the booking reservation, immediately I send you, I have a template that I send you with tons of information from the address, because sometimes people get confused and they don't see the invoice, my phone number. I request personal email address just because I like to get in touch with you outside of the system sometimes. Sometimes you don't look at the Airbnb emails, but you'll look at your personal email. And I give you a bunch of links of things, of of um, websites of things to do in New York. So already you're like, oh, my God, thank you. 
And I actually had a guest who was going to Boston before coming to New York. And he was like, oh, do you have those links for Boston as well? And I was like, no, I'm sorry, just New York. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's prepping the expectation. And I'm, I, hand, I hold your hand through the process of asking you. And I give you car service um, recommendations. If you want to take Uber or Lyft, I have codes. So things like that. So it's sort of your vacation. You're, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and, uh, and that's just the beginning. And then you get home, and it's amazing. <laughs> Evelyn, have you ever heard of uh, Unanchor? I am anchored. No, I don't. Uh, I have un- not. You and Anchor. Um, as as you were speaking, I was thinking. Um, I interviewed another guest who um, basically Unanchor allows you to create uh, tour itineraries, kind of like little guides. Um, mm-hmm. I was wondering if maybe you could even turn your um, the info you you send to Airbnb guests. You know, maybe put a little more info, and then you could probably upload it to Unanchor. And create another passive income stream there. I will check it out. <laughs> I will definitely check it out. I'm actually creating on the house website, the Beyond Airbnb. I have a website for the house itself, which is evelandbnb.com. And I'm creating, I'm a, I'm creating a, a blog where it's going to have content for things to do in New York and things like that. And, and I have this really intense guidebook not just of the tourist attractions, but of neighborhoods. So recommendations from Dumbo and restaurants and things to do in Coney Island besides the, the beach and things like that. So I, I'm going to be actually adding all of that stuff to the website itself. It's just taking me a little long. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, I'll add a link to that uh, in the show notes, and I'll send that to you as well uh, for that website. I wanted to ask you, Thank though, you. Um, do you manage all this yourself, or do you outsource uh, some of the communication or the management of your listings? Um, a communication with the guests, I, I, I actually don't outsource anything in reference of hosting with Airbnb unless I'm traveling. And then I have a crew that, um, some friends and family that I trust with my home and they know the style that I like the house to be and, and the place to be. But communications with the guests, I do my own. I, I like to know they're coming to my house and one set of guests will be sharing the house with me. So I want to make sure we're all clear about expectations and and what what they're getting and what I'm and who I'm receiving in my home. So for that reason, I don't I don't outsource at all. I do outsource other things for the website. <laughs> so you have two spaces now. You have two listings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you you rent out one of the rooms in uh, the, the place where you live, and you also have an extra apartment that you uh, lease out or that you rent out. It's under uh, 90% occupancy, is that correct? Yes, I do have about 90% occupancy. You know, when I'm not booked, it, most of the times it's because I'm doing some renovation or some sort of work in the apartment. Right now, this past winter, which is when I do big jobs, I closed for four weeks one of the listings because I was doing a big um, bathroom renovation. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm booked all the time. People like me. <laughs> and I also try to keep in touch with all. I have a lot of recurring guests. I just had um, this couple from Seattle, the grandparents, whom I love and adore. And it was the fourth time coming to my house. And, you know, they come in and it's like family. They're like, oh, just give me the keys. I'm going back to see my grandchild. So there's no, you know, and the beauty of our recurring guests is that you already know each other. It's a second date. <laughs> it's right. not that first blind date. Yeah, that's fantastic when you can get guests coming back. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, which, which model do you prefer? Do you prefer the, 
uh, the listing that where you share the space, or do you prefer having um, an empty space that you basically turn into a full-time uh, income? You just run out the whole thing, and it becomes a full-time income generator for you. Well, um, I do. I I don't mind either one. I because I feel the duplex is the one that I share with guests. It's too big of a space for just one person. But I am leaning towards closing that listing, hopefully by 2016, because I want to embark in other projects within my home. So I will, I will still continue having the listing of the private apartment. I mean, the, the beauty of it is that they're not in your space and, and you still have that income. Unfortunately, you don't create the relationships that you create when you're living with somebody. Um, I had a guest that they just had left. They were here for the graduation of their son, and it was their third time in my home. And they usually stay in my space with me. This time they rented the top apartment. And we were like, oh, my God, we have not seen each other because we normally will have breakfast together and we'll catch up. Or the husband and I will go to do big room yoga and things like that. So it, it creates a friendship because you're living together. While the other apartment, you're sort of separate and I do interact with them, but it's more they're there and I'm, I'm not part of their lives. <laughs> so which, um, which avenue do you recommend to new hosts uh, to get started when they start out with Airbnb? It really depends on your situation um, and especially where you're renting. A lot of cities, especially like New York, if you owned um, your house, that's a different story. But if you're renting and you're, uh, my recommendation is always share the space with the guests just because if not, what you're doing is you're renting an apartment in a building where it's basically a hotel for that building. It's an, it's a hotel apartment where the neighbors do not know who's coming and going. They don't know you as an owner. If you've never lived in it, um, and if I lived in a building, I don't think I would want that kind of situation in my home, in my building, as, as a residential building. So I do believe me, this whole struggle in New York between all the legality issues, I understand where they're coming from. I lived in a, in a multi-unit building before my home, and for me, it was sort of like, will I want to know, like, will I want strangers next door to me? When people are vacationing, you don't think about this, but they're on vacation. So they don't keep the same hours as you do. For them, they'll come home late. They might be louder in on the hallways or slamming doors and things like that while the entire building is probably sleeping because they have to go to work the next day. They're on vacation. So so it's, for me, my recommendation is always share the space, live with the strangers for a while, see what you want to do. Um, if you have ownership and you are in a building, a co-op, I mean, you could do where you go on vacation and then you rent out your full apartment out. What, but to do full time and to do it like that, it's a business. It's a business. And, and then the question is, is that the experience you want to create, not just for your guests, but for the people that are around your guest, the other apartments that live in that building? Yeah, I remember um, a couple of months ago, I was staying with uh, our mutual friend Jasper Rivers um, in Kuala Lumpur, and mm -hmm. uh, we were staying, you know, right next to the Patronus Towers in the city center, and I remember there was a notice, you know, on the elevator, or in front of the elevator, that said, uh, you know, against renting or leasing on websites like Airbnb, <laughs> but I think every single person that I saw that week um, 
was a vacationer or someone, you know, rent, short-term rental. Um, I, I don't think I saw anybody that was an actual resident in that condo building, ironically enough. Um, so they had that rule that, that wasn't being enforced, but everyone was kind of renting out anyways. Yeah, in New York, um, the city's actually doing sting operations. Oh, really? They yeah, they're coming after. They're coming after them. They're, they're really doing very aggressive um, enforcement <laughs> against private apartments in multi-unit buildings. Well, why is that? Do you find that that's bad to entrepreneurship? Well, the question is this: this capital, this is this creates the best capitalism ever. You have an apartment, you don't live in it, you could make a few thousand dollars a month net profit out of it. It creates a great lifestyle, right? But you don't live there. It's just a thing. It's just a place. It's not a home for you. So it is, believe me, this is, and whenever I get asked this question, it's such a touchy question because then it becomes, who am I to tell people what to do or what not to do? But look, my neighbors, because I'm in a private home, I have that advantage. My neighbors know that I do Airbnb. They actually use my home for their, for their family members. Um, but if I was in a building, I think it would be a different story. And if I had a tenant in the private apartment and they were doing Airbnb, I would be pissed. I would not be happy at all. I would be like, no, I want to know who's coming and going in my home. So why would that be any different in a building? You know, um, I know you, you're um, a nomad entrepreneur, but if you, you know, imagine your parents living next to a, in a building where the people next to them, it was just a revolving door. Yeah. 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 I agree. <laughs> I, and then I... you have, and then you have um, issues with rent control apartments, rent civilization, pricing. Market prices have gone up. Small buildings are, are have um, evicted people to create, turn them into illegal hotels. It is really a big issue. It's it's a really big issue because then it's the question is like, are you evaporating neighborhoods? Like you said, you were in this building. And you felt that no one there was a resident, that everybody was a tourist. So it was a hotel. Yeah. It, it was kind it's of like an like understanding. It's a hotel with kitchens. Yeah, it, it was basically a hotel. And everyone, you get the sense that, like, you know, security guards, there, everyone kind of knew what was going on. I mean, it was pretty obvious to anyone who was observing. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. Like, they don't really um, enforce, you know, the rules as much in Kuala Lumpur, for example. And they need those spaces to be occupied because they have a lot of inventory, especially in developing countries. You know, they have a lot of uh, tall high rises that, you know, no one can afford to live in. So they have to rent it out to foreigners and, and short term rentals. Yes. I mean, and that might be in developing countries, but you have New York City where, you know, <laughs> the occupancy rates are just outrageous. Um, and I've known people looking for apartments and they just cannot find anything. And, and nowadays, a lot of... Landlords are saying they're making sure that they sign people. There's people are signing agreements saying that they will not Airbnb their spaces. Yeah, I've, I've it's getting ugly here. I uh, I've done a little bit of Airbnb hosting. I'll maybe host when I travel. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll base myself in a foreign city and I'll, I'll rent. Um, I'll host maybe once or twice a month. And mm -hmm. in my lease, it usually says that I'm not allowed to have 
uh, a guest for longer than two weeks, I think, or no one can rent it okay. for, for more than two weeks. And um, often what I'll just, I'll tell my landlord, you know, I'll say I have some friends coming in from, uh, you know, New York or Seattle or whatever, and um, they're going to stay there and that's usually fine. And I'll, what I'll usually do is I'll go travel somewhere else while they stay there in my place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that kind of works for me, but, um, you know, I, I want to talk about, I want to ask you though, like, how do we, um, let's talk about profit, you know, let's talk about making more profit. Because uh, <laughs> I've been trying to do this myself and, um, you know, as I mentioned, I host maybe like once or twice a month and um, I've been trying to add like a value add where I'll, I'll offer tours, you know, paid tours through a website mm-hmm. like uh, Viable, V-A-Y-A-B-L-E, but I haven't really gotten off the ground yet. Um, how do you maximize the profit? I know you're obviously uh, over 90% occupancy. I, I'm on maybe like 10% occupancy of that. Uh, I noticed that when it comes with, to leads, like leads I get through Airbnb, um, one week I'll, I'll suddenly get like 10 leads and I can't manage them all. And then, you know, for like a few weeks it'll be silent. Yes. So what happens, you know, the unfortunate part with Airbnb is that there's a cap on the salary you can make. For you to make more money with with Airbnb, you have to have more properties, right? There's only 30 days in the month. And if you only have one listing, you could only rent it so much. And the price that you can actually charge, there will be a cap on that price as well. There will be a ceiling because you could then you yeah let's say let's say my space right now it it's i start at 180 the private apartment right 180 for the first person and then i charge a little bit more money per each additional person let's say i wanted to charge $300 for the first person but then what your expectations are going to be are higher than a place that starts at 180 you might want a bigger, all the bedrooms to be bigger. You want something with a view. You want a dishwasher and you want a wash and dryer. So for you to increase your prices, you have to spend more money. And so, and sometimes the space just is not allowing you to do that. I cannot add a washer dryer in that space. I cannot add a dishwasher in the space either. Um, so for you to make, to, to make more capital, then you have to get more listings. Which then becomes, are you going to then be a property management? Is that what you're going to do? Um, in reference of you, your listing, one listing, one space, you're capping out at a certain amount of money. There's only so much you're going to be able to make, unfortunately. It's not like you're going to be able to get a raise every year. Um, I have increased it because my prices were low to begin with. And my prices are still in the lower end, but I need to be booked. My preference is to be booked than to have the space empty because it's costing me money for it to be empty. I still have to pay a mortgage whether I have somebody there or not, right? So the whole idea with Airbnb, so then the question is, how can you make extra money? Do you provide the tours? Do you provide, do you um, align yourself with some other companies that you will provide services like a car service? Do you pick up people at the airport? You, does that mean you're becoming a Lyft driver or an Uber driver? And is that what you want to do? Or do you have uh, a person, a driver that you recommend and you get a cut out of that? So that's another income stream. What about if you get in tourists in your house and you know they're going to want to have something specific in reference of souvenirs or anything like that? Can you create something that they could buy from you? in your home and they could find value of it and you make a profit of it. Right. So, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. 
No, that, that was my line of thinking as well, because um, I think that Airbnb is so um, great at generating leads. And if you can find mm-hmm. complimentary services that you can offer to them, I think you can um, make a lot more profit that way. The, uh, like this website I mentioned, Viable, uh, V-A-Y-A-B-L-E, it, it doesn't have a large user base. Um, but I imagine that it's easy to take uh, you know, tourists from Airbnb or, or uh, short-term rentals from Airbnb and offer them other services. I know that another interview I did um, with a hostel owner, they said that they don't make much money on the actual you know, renting of the beds or booking of the beds. They make a lot of money when the people go to the bar and buy drinks and buy food there. But that, that, that means they have a business within their home. They have a restaurant and a bar. Right, right, right. And then that becomes your full-time job. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, yeah. so it's sort of like, what is it that you want to do? I mean, and believe me, people have asked me, well, why don't you manage other properties or why don't you buy more properties or get more rentals? And for me, it's like, I don't want to be a property management person. Well, I think, I think I we like, all want to make more money, though. <laughs> I think that's the Yeah, yeah but, but the whole question is, is it yeah. about the money or is it about the quality of life? What kind of life yeah. is it that you want to live? Right. Because with two listings, I mean, I get I'm busy enough. <laughs> it's it's enough so that it covers my bills and everything else. And then I'm venturing out into other things that I could dedicate my time that I'm more passionate in. Like the consultation, I really do love talking to hosts about Airbnb and all the situations that happen and how we could come up about it. Because when I started, there was not a community. There was not, there wasn't anything about it. So it's a great thing for me to coach people and also to coach single women and women of a certain age on how to host. Because not all of them want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. They want to probably just pay for their vacation or pay for the college kid school or, or supplement their income. So how is it that you host without making this like, Oh, it's a job, but it will be a part-time job. Regardless, it will be a part-time job. And it's providing you a full-time income, obviously. Oh, for me, because I have two listings, it allows, it's totally my full-time income. Yes. It is, <laughs> but I do live with people in my home. So those are the sacrifices. Um, and one thing that I used to do back in the day when, you know, in 2011 was I used to rent out the entire house and I would move out from the space. And that because it's, it will fit 12 people. It was a big, it, it was a big price listing, but they meant me having to leave my home and then I will have weddings here or I will have bigger parties or, you know, uh, bigger groups of people that will come to New York and things like that. Um, but with that came me not being, not having a home. I could then be a nomad. <laughs> but then my neighbors complained because the guests were making too much noise um, in the backyard. <laughs> so that's, that's the whole balance of life. Right. So if- yeah, the question is, what kind of life do you want to live? Mm-hmm. If if you were going to go back um, and start over from scratch uh, today, um, how long would you say it would take to get to where you are now, and um, what would you do? Um. Oh my God! If I was <laughs> to go back, back, back in the day, I would tell myself that it would be okay because <laughs> it was really scary. Um. It, it took me a year before I got the private apartment, but I had a long-term tenant there. 
So, I mean, I look, I think the way that it was done, I will probably start the consultation earlier. I will start talking and knowing that I know enough about Airbnb a lot earlier than now. That's what I would definitely do. And I think it really doesn't take a lot of time. It takes, it could take, especially because now there's so much information out there on the internet and so many people that you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, I provide a checklist for whole new host to go through it bedroom by room by room and for you to see, oh, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. When I had a first guest, I wasn't drinking coffee at that time. I didn't even have a coffee maker. And he was like, oh, do you have a coffee maker? So I had to go and buy one. <laughs> so that was my first thing, my first guest ever. So just things like that from getting a coffee maker, getting a toaster, getting an iron to make sure, make sure that your guest is taken care of. But those are things that I had to learn and I'm still learning. I'm still learning new things. So your advice to um, hosts when they consult with you is, is to basically just be very prepared. Yes. Yes. Be prepared for the unexpected and know that it's going to happen regardless. Um, Set your house rules very clear. Be clear about what kind of host do you want to be. Are you a host that are you will you allow cooking in your house, in your kitchen or no? Um, Do you have pets? Be very upfront about things in your home um, so that guests have no surprises. Um, For example, if you live in a walk-up building, let the guests know. You don't want them to come with four or five bags and look at four stairs and be like, be already upset because they didn't know that they had to walk four flights of stairs. So I think transparency is huge and expectations are huge. I just got an inquiry from four guys from Harvard College and they were like, oh, we four you know, guys from Harvard and this and that. And I was like, my neighborhood is very family neighborhood is not Williamsburg, which is more party town. And I was like, well, I hope you read my house rules and you understand there's no parties. And they were like, yeah, no, it's just for boys. And I'm like, okay, Harvard man, I'm going to talk to you as a man, not a boy. I want to make sure that you're clear that I'm in Brooklyn. This is a family. So it was very, I was already telling them, look, this might not be the right place for you. So it's for you to let the client know, your guests know, what kind of home you have, and for you to know what kind of guests you want in your home. I see. And um, I guess to make it work, I mean, you really have to love communicating with all kinds of different people, like you just mentioned, uh, the Harvard boys, uh, and and being open to that, because you probably have a lot of questions and things that are thrown at you all the time. Um, Yes. If if you don't love talking to, to guests, then, you know, this is probably not for you, right? Yes. I mean, if you, I, I have, um, someone that I helped out with his, with her place and she went with the long-term renting through a, a rental property. Cause she was like, I just don't want to deal with people. <laughs> they have questions. Oh my God. And I'm like, yes, it's a job. It is a job and you have to be clear in communications with your guys. So it's not this whole thing of like, Oh my God, I'm just putting a listing up and I don't have to do anything about it to make money. Right. So if, if you're going to succeed as an Airbnb host, you really have to commit and know what you're getting into. Yes. Yes. I mean, and the beauty of it is that you look, you could do it, you could try it, and you could see if you like it or you don't. Um, especially if you're renting your space or, you know, like you're not investing money um, in, in getting another place and everything like that. And especially if you are in the United States. In the United States, 
all the cities are getting really complex regulations about Airbnb. So I do not recommend anybody to go and rent out 10 apartments to turn them into Airbnb because you just don't know. Airbnb is closing accounts down in New York that have multiple units. So, you know, it, I think it will be too risky and you could lose because you will have to put furniture and spend money on building those apartments when you don't know how long you could have it. So sort of like, let me create a business. Let me open up a, a shop for in two, three months, be, be shut down. And then I have to, you know, close down, you know, turn, cancel guests and, and deal with all of those. So my recommendation is always start with what you have. If you have an apartment, um, you have an extra bedroom or look, people even rent their sofas and people do it. Um, people, I mean, I know of a host in Queens and he, he hosts his living room and people rent it. He's booked all the time. <laughs> I think the benefit to, to doing that through Airbnb is that um, the Airbnb guests, you know, they just come at nighttime and then they're gone during the day. It's not like they're camping out in his living room, right? Uh, you hope that. <laughs> <laughs> but again, if you don't tell your guests that that's the kind of guest you want in your life, in your home, they might camp out. I had a guest that did that. She camped <laughs> out in my backyard for three or four days. She came to New York and just, just camped out in the backyard, huh? Yeah, she Aww. did. She was like, oh, no, I'm loving it here. And I'm like, you're not going out? I want you. After that, I just changed my description, and I was like, I want guests that are exploring New York. I work from home. <laughs> <laughs> so because you will get guests that they don't leave. Or that if, if they're coming to work or if they're coming for lunch, I mean, if, they, if guests arrive for more than 10 days, they are going to have a day or two where they want to stay at home because they're tired. And now they're like, oh, we have time. If you have guests that are arriving, that are here for just 10 days or a little bit less, they're going to want to do everything that there is to do. So the longer the term of the guests in your house, the more they're going to become as a long-term guest and be home more. I see. Excellent. Tips of the trade. What can I say? <laughs> this is great. So um, you've given me an idea of what this business model is like. And I, I think that um, most people who host through Airbnb, most people listening to this are probably looking for um, some passive income stream. You know, they don't want to become like a hotel, like you said. Uh, it's, it's more of a happy medium um, where you can make, you know, nice income and also have a life. Uh, but mm -hmm. you, you also can't expect some passive income source with no work. You have to really commit to it and commit to being successful. Um, one thing I like about Airbnb is I think that you can do 80 to 90% of the work in advance. And then after that, you just kind of maintain it and keep it going, right? Um, you could, but you're still going to have to answer inquiries and yeah. answer people's questions and things like that. And yes, the more you prepare you are, the more you have templates for um, reservations requests and bookings requests and things like that, the easier it gets. Uh, and you could also outsource it to a VA and just say, hey, look, you know, these are my answers and these are my, you know, questions and things like that. Um, and you could just be very hands off, have someone that cleans the house or manages your guests. Um, but those have to, have to be very trusting relationships because they, you will be reviewed based on their their job performance right i know you Jeff, know if, yeah yeah go ahead 
Oh, I know that Jasper, um, he has his maid who also uh, checks in the guests and kind of answers inquiries, and um, he pays her well, but he says it's definitely worth it. And I know that there's well, also... Exactly. Yeah. He's a remote owner. He, <laughs> you know, if you have a, a property manager person, which is what seems like what this person is, she's not a maid. She's managing the property. She's answering inquiries. She's doing exchanges, making sure the house is clean and everything else. And hopefully, you know, and, and like you said, he pays so well because you have to pay well for that position. It's a very trusting position because it's not that person's name who's going to be reviewed. You're going to be reviewed. Right. Have you ever used uh, Guesty? Guessy is kind of like an automated uh, Airbnb assistant where they respond to Airbnb inquiries. Yeah, no, I have not used it. Um, I don't okay. use any outsource outside um, spaces just because it's it's not that complex for me to answer guest questions. And again, I live home. I'm home. Um, and even when I travel, I just make sure that I have good Wi-Fi wherever I go. <laughs> Yeah, and what happens is like, like let's say for me, for right now, I don't get. I, at the beginning, I used to get like gazillion inquiries all the time. Now I might have one inquiry a day or two inquiries a day because I'm booked ahead of ahead of time. Um, and yes, some people say if you book ahead of time, that means your prices is too low. But my preference is to be a little bit lower than have the, the empty space. Yeah. But I have heard of Guesty, and I have heard there's a couple of other companies that's properly, um, and there's a few other companies that they do management for that hands-off type of owner, of host. Right, and I, I guess from what you're telling me, a big part of it is um, optimizing the price. So if you're getting a lot of inquiries, um, increase your price. If you're not getting enough, lower your price. Um, I know there's also uh, a couple of services out there that do that. I, I've heard of one called uh, Everbooked. Which, yeah, um, there's a couple of them that's beyond pricing. There's a mm -hmm. few of them. But now also Airbnb came up with their own um, in the platform, on the calendar. They give you um, pricing tips. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, they give you pricing tips of increase it and decrease it. I have not played with them yet because I feel they're not accurate. You know, they wanted me to offer the the private apartment to like one hundred thirty to one hundred thirty dollars a night, and I'm like, "Are you on drugs?" Because that's not ha happening. I'm not offering a private apartment, not in the high season. In the winter, yes. In the winter, I've given it for a hundred bucks a night, but not in the not in the summer, not when the high season is here. But there's a lot more competition. Also, there's a lot more competition. There's a lot more hosts out there. Um, I have heard that Airbnb is disabling accounts that do not have activity and that they're not accepting bookings because you have an overflow of people, of hosts, that they just have a listing up, but they really there's no activity in them. So it's just false. Why are they um, deactivating them? Are they just not responding to inquiries or what's what's the criteria? Um, I think it's basic, and, and this happened to a friend of mine. She she was hosting at the beginning of the year, and then after that, she didn't accept any ho any any inqu any guest in her space. Um, and basically, if you don't have any activity, they just want you not to shut you down because they're not shutting you down completely. It's not like they're deleting your account, but they're deactivating your account so that when you're ready to come back on, then you will be an active host. Oh, I see. Exactly.
Yeah, they, I think they just don't want people that are just, you know, you have this overflow of holes, of spaces that are just not available. So as a guest, um, when you're doing research to find a new place and you look, you ask 10 hosts of their places and only three of them respond back, because then you, you're feeling like, oh, the service is not that great. Why would I continue inquiry? You know, things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So if we were to kind of summarize uh, some of the takeaways uh, that you would like the listener to have to be a great host, and um, if they're interested in going down this road like, route like you are and um, making a full-time income, what would you, uh, what would you leave us with? Um, my biggest takeaway would be communication. Communication is key. Be transparent about what you're offering. Um, the, and the webinar with Chip Conley, he was amazing saying that about, you know, be transparent. You respond quickly. Tell them exactly what you were giving them. Let your pictures be honest. Let them have captions because people will not read descriptions. But nonetheless, do write a, a true description to what your place is. The money is there. Um, Airbnb is, will, continue to grow and more people will continue to use it. And I don't think it's a young people's game only. Um, you have a lot of baby boomers as guests and as hosts that are using the service more so than previously anticipated. So prepare your space. Um, think about it like as if your parents were coming over or your grandparents were coming over and make it as beautiful as it can be. It's, it's a great way to make a living and it's a great way to connect with people i've created some amazing friendships that even five years later you know we are still friends and we still connect it's a beautiful life would you say that you're happier with uh your life now versus being a television producer yes <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt without a doubt yes yes i'm not working 35 hours straight <laughs> which I have done as a producer in the past. Not all the time, but it happened. <laughs> how, how often do you work, if I can ask? Um, would you say on a weekly basis now? What do you mean? How often do I work on um, what? I mean, basically just with the communications, you basically have everything set up. So now you're, the, the, most of your work is just communicating with guests. Um, would you say I that you've reduced your, your working week uh, significantly? Oh, yeah. No, my work week, I'm going to say it will probably be less than 10 hours a week. Less than 10 and hours also, a week. And also, it depends if I have guests arriving or not. Um, I, tend to, I tend to do the guest exchange myself, so that takes me about two hours um, per place. Um, but even with guest exchange and things like that, it's probably about 10 hours a week. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's a good life. <laughs> it's actually really good. I think anyone would choose that. You know, a ten, less than 10 hour a week, work week, um, meeting cool people from around the world and um, making six figures at the same time. I mean, who, who signed me up? Who wouldn't want that, right? <laughs> exactly. And I'm telling you, it's just amazing. It's really like, and then you have the host community, which is they're just amazing. And then you have the entire, you know, the guest community, which they just just think about it. For them to use Airbnb, they have to be special. It's they know they're not coming to a hotel. Hopefully, <laughs> um, so so it's it, yes, it's it's a good life. Yeah, it allows you to do other things with your life if you want to do. If you want to have 
um, other projects and other adventures and other endeavors, you could totally do them having an Airbnb life. That's the thing I wanted to ask you next. Do you find that you're spending more time um, following your passions? And if so, what, what do you, how do you fill the void? Well, sometimes <laughs> I'm just way too busy. Um, I have way too much time in my hands, so I've done two triathlons, <laughs> which I would have never done if I was producing um, because I would not have the time to do the training. Wow. I've written a screenplay about hosting, um, which it's out there in the works right now. I'm working on a book. I have the consultation site, you know, it's, it's a good life. <laughs> so I do, I do have a lot of other things that I, I occupy my time with. That's fantastic. And I was just reading on your about me page, um, I want to add, I want to clarify this. You did your first triathlon at 45 years of age, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's yes, fantastic. I did. And and not only was I 45 years of age, I was not an athlete at all. I did not even know how to swim. My coach was like, look, just touch your toes, let the current take you down, and pray for the rep master, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I did my first one at 45. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And now I, I want to train for a half an iron. That's, that's going to be my 50th gift. <laughs> well, you have such a fun story. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and sharing and um, also the way that you're helping people and uh, offering advice and uh, consulting. Um, if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? The best way is to go to my website, evelynbadia.com. That's B-A-D-I-A. -A. Um, and the first name is Evelyn, uh, evelynbadia.com. And you can find me there and just get in contact with me. I tend to, I do not have a, a virtual assistant to answer any emails. I answer them all myself and everything else. And just do some a little bit of research. I have tons of content um, and information that I provide from checklists and webinars that I do every single month. Just to, for you to think if this is something that you want to do. But pull the plug. Go and do it. What do you have to lose? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Evelyn, and um, best of luck to you in your ongoing um, business and um, uh, fitness ventures as well. <laughs> thank you so much, Danny. It was such a pleasure to be interviewed by you. Thank you for inviting me. It has been my pleasure to be here. Have a wonderful evening, Evelyn. Take care. You too, darling. <laughs>